Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to, or welcome back to, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, I started this podcast now five and a half years ago with the whole idea of getting exposure to really smart people who are doing cool things. I know one thing in life is absolutely true, and that is success leaves clues. And anytime you get the chance to either sit down and talk to or listen to a podcast like this where someone smart is sharing their experience They can't help it. Even if they wanted to hide it, they can't. They accidentally leave nuggets, ideas, theories, concepts behind. And the trick for you is to pick up the ones that work for you. So today I have on the show Richard Citrin. Now, he is a psychologist, but don't get scared. We're not going to be like totally caught up in psychology here. He is a psychologist who blends business with psychology to help people be wildly successful. Now, I will ask you, would you be listening to a show called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do if you didn't want to be wildly successful? Of course not. So today's show is going to be exciting because Richard is the author of a show called a show of a book called Strategy Driven Leadership. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that's all about. We're also going to talk about his own entrepreneurial journey. So Richard Citrin, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, thank you so much, Tom. And it's great to be sitting at the cool kids table. (laughs) So you're a psychologist who wants business people to be wildly successful. Why don't you kind of tell everybody your background and what you do now? Well, you know, what's so interesting, I think, about, about my work, and I think that has been so lucky for me, is that early on in my life, I discovered what I was really good at. And that, you know, and I think we're all on that search to discover really where our expertise is. And for me, it's always been around helping other people be successful. I am, I was a natural born helper. Then I learned the skills of helping and when I went through my psychology program. And then over the course of my psychology career, I developed the expertise and experiences, those 10,000 hours, as Malcolm Gladwell refers to it, to really become masterful at doing. Uh, So it's really around helping people that's made all the difference uh, for me. And that has uh, provided me with a tremendous sense of reward and satisfaction doing that. So what was your background? What's your work? What, what's your uh, work history? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, so I graduated with my PhD and I followed my wife to Texas. Actually, we live just up the road from you in Fort Worth. Uh, and uh, there I worked at the university for a little bit, but then we opened a behavioral health care 
clinical and consulting practice. So we had a large, one of the largest in the Southwest clinical practices. We had about 25 or 30 clinicians at one point, and we also consulted to businesses. In fact, after 9-11, our group was called into American Airlines and spent about three or four months with them, uh, customer service people, pilots, flight attendants, ramp workers, ticket agents, just really doing stress debriefing with them over a long period of time. So we had that incredible experience uh, with those people. And we did a lot of clinical work as well. But healthcare is a tough industry when you're a clinician. Uh, and so we were fortunate enough to sell the practice to a national healthcare company. And then eventually what happened was that business was acquired by Humana Healthcare. So we were able to make a great transition for ourselves and we're very successful in making that transition. And from there, I was recruited up here where I am now, which is at the University of Pittsburgh Medicine Medical Center. What I kind of decided was that when I looked at the state of healthcare, I kind of followed the money. And in healthcare, the money is on the corporate side, not on the practitioner side. So I wanted to get that corporate experience. I had had a lot of entrepreneurial experiences, had owned a business, loved parts of it, but not all of it. Uh, and then I felt, you know, round myself out, get that corporate healthcare experience. I did that for 12 years. And then in 2010, I decided to go back out on my own. And so opened my little solo practice, Citroen Consulting, and have been doing that for 10 years now, so uh, where I do leadership consultation, management training, strategy work with organizations. So you started off, you were at a university, but then you opened up your, your, your sort of practice, your center. And a lot of people who are psychologists, I think, do that. They kind of end up sort of entrepreneurs by accident, right? The, the, the business yes. is really in starting a practice. How did you become an entrepreneur? Were you always entrepreneurial or was it sort of that, no, well, this is what we'll do. Heck, it's a business. No, I, I came from an entrepreneurial family. Uh, my dad had uh, worked for a, large, for a family-owned business and then he opened up his own business, became a solopreneur. I have two brothers, uh, both one's a physician, one's a dentist. They grew enormous practices. In fact, my brother, the physician, founded the first laser vision center company in the United States. Wow. That's, and, you know, it's interesting that's fascinating. You know, yeah, it was really amazing. It was called 2020 Laser Vision. And Maybe I should be interviewing him. Well, he is really an interesting guy. I'll let him know uh, <laughs> about this. You would, you would find him fascinating, as I do. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the interesting thing about entrepreneurship as well as solopreneurship is there are so many aspects to it. Uh, you know, his, his particular skill was finding the money. You know, but he wasn't an operations guy. They needed an operations guy. And when you think about people who are small entrepreneurs, you know, small family businesses or solopreneurs, we've got to do all of it. We've got to do the marketing. We've got to do the sales. We've got to deliver the service. We have to do all those qualities. And having the skills and understanding all the skills that are involved has been a lot of what my work currently has been about. And that's a lot of what the book is about as well. So much of your time has been as this sort of solopreneur and business, business, you know, solo business person or small practice type uh, uh, leader. What do you like about the world of entrepreneurship slash solopreneur? Well, you know, the freedom it affords is, is great. And the demands that on me to be innovative, to continually invent myself has been something that has been, uh, you know, a, a constant source of stimulation and growth for me. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm somebody who gets bored fairly easily. So when I'm doing something and it's not uh, working for me, uh, I have to find something new to do. And, and 
I talk about over the last 10 years, how I've reinvented myself three times, even within the practice I'm doing. Uh, when I opened my practice, I had to develop that. Uh, then I, was, I wanted to do some different work. And three years ago, I wrote a book on resilience, around how to be more resilient, how to address stress in a more resilient manner. Did a lot of work around resilience. And then this new book around strategy-driven leadership, which, by the way, I should mention, I've co-authored uh, with my very good friend and colleague, Michael Couch. So I want to make sure I mention Michael's name in the book as well. Hello, Michael Couch, because he's going to listen. So we want to make sure we, everybody look up Michael Couch. He's smart too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Michael Couch. Absolutely. He's so, a smart guy. So let's talk about strategy-driven leadership. What what does that mean? Yeah. So the, the amazing thing about it, I think, is that when you talk about leadership and leadership development, what you often hear from people is, you know, if I were to ask you or ask anyone, you know, what are the top five leadership skills? People would say things like, communication, building an accountability, uh, having a plan of action, whatever the whatever they think are the top five or top 10 or top 20 things. And they'll go to a workshop to hear what those are and what the current state of being is. And I always do that in my workshops and presentations. And after people have identified those top five or 10 things, I say, well, that's wrong. Those are all wrong. The correct answer is the important part of strategy is what's going to drive success for your business now. And that may not be being a good communicator. You may have to be a strong operations person, or you may have to be managing finances very well, or you may have to be going out and selling in the marketplace. What's critical for your business today that's going to grow, grow your business now? And because the world is changing so quickly and our businesses are changing so quickly, we have to be very agile and be prepared to change really on a dime. Uh, and that's such a small business. As you think about something like Boeing's going on right now. You know, if you look at Boeing and look at one of their key strategies, one of them is, is to build planes that are built fast and productive and generate revenues. Well, how's that strategy working for them? I imagine <laughs> the leaders at Boeing have to rethink what their strategy is, and that demands a whole different set of behaviors and skills. Sure, sure, absolutely. So when you think about strategy-driven leadership, what are, the, what are the issues people face? What keeps people from putting strategy into their business? Well, a couple of things, and, and this is where I think as a psychologist, a little bit differently, Michael and I really have come up with this, this model, which is that we're not interested in focusing on things like personality or why people do things. We're really, really interested in the behaviors and skills associated with it. So, you know, an important part of our model is to ask the question, what are the demands? What are the organizational demands? What are the skills, the competencies required for your business? And, you know, in my own example, uh, last year uh, was was a little bit of a down year for me. I uh, just didn't, didn't do quite as much as I had previously. And the reason for that is that I had some personal work I had to do for myself. I had to finish the book. Michael and I had to finish the book. That took a lot of time. But I also had to just do some, some personal growth work on myself. I had to kind of stop and reflect after eight or nine years of my business. What am I about? What's my business about? That required me to be more reflective, uh, to speak to other people, to get input from people. Uh, to, to take some time out from selling, from, from doing my work, to think things through. This year, uh, the book's out. I'm much more expansive in my thinking. Um, you know, I, I saw you last week at NSA Pittsburgh. You did an amazing presentation on podcasting. 
And uh, now I'm now I'm thinking, okay, how do I align my podcast? How do I start to think about doing that? Mm-hmm. How do I put that into play? Yeah, I had so, a I had a lot of fun being the speaker for the the Pittsburgh NSA chapter. I uh, agreed to do it last May because my daughter was supposed to be living in Pittsburgh. She had just graduated from Carnegie Mellon and her fiance uh, was in school uh, getting a PhD and he ended up getting a job and uh, they moved to Chicago. So I had agreed to go to Chicago to speak for the (laughs) National Speakers Association, which by the way, you don't get paid to go speak to an NSA chapter. You do it out of the love for the organization. I actually did it because it was a free plane ticket to go visit my daughter. And then I ended up in January in the snow in Pittsburgh uh, but I had a great time with your chapter. It was totally worth it. Well, we we loved having you, and we, there was a lot of great takeaway and great conversation about it. So you said something very interesting, and that was that you, last year, were a little bit off track. It wasn't a great year. You had to do some personal growth work, and this is something I can relate to because I've been going through that myself, and it's like, you know, self-awakening is scary sometimes because you go, oh, I screwed that up for 14 years. Um <laughs> But when you said it, like for me to tell people, yeah, you know, I kind of had some head trash going on, right? I, I had, I was, I was writing narratives in my own head that were wrong uh, about myself and about others, etc. That we all do. But you're a psychologist. When you said you had personal growth worth, that scared me. If you have personal growth work, what what does that mean for the rest of us? Oh well, first of all, psychologists probably need it more than anybody. <laughs> that that's probably part of the reason why many psychologists go into the business because they are. Tr- figure things out as well as, uh, you know, learning the skills associated with it. I think it's important for, for, certainly for me, it's important to model that behavior with my clients to let them know, you know, and I'm open about it. I, I, I started seeing a therapist again last year. You know, I had done that periodically, maybe four or five times in my life. And, and if I'm asking people to rely on me as a coach for business, uh, which ultimately often comes at a personal aspect as well, because every behind every business decision is a personal decision. You're not just doing it for the business. There's a personal gain you're going to make on it. If I'm asking people to use a coach with me, uh, why shouldn't I expect that of myself? I have a business coach as well. I'll tell you what, I'm surprised how many business coaches or people who teach the things that our speaker friends teach don't go and get help. They, they teach it, but they don't do it. It's like, wow, that's uh, that's fascinating. I asked someone who was a coach you know, give me an example of when you've worked with a coach. And they said, well, I went and got certified, et cetera, et cetera. It was like fascinating that you don't have one yourself. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I've had a coach for 10 years. I've been working with the same same person uh, during that period of time. And it's in, in fact, I was just in New York this week uh, meeting, meeting with him and my mastermind group. Uh, so I do that three or four times a year. You have to. You have to recharge. You have to get new ideas. You can't, if you sit in your office and and this is one of the, you asked about the, the great things about entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, I think one of the downsides of entrepreneurship is it can be very lonely. You know, you're out there by yourself. You're, you're doing these things. You're trying to come up with ideas. You're trying to steal things from people. Uh, but until you hear it from other people and get that feedback from someone who you know, cares about you, is concerned about you, even if you're paying them, and perhaps especially if you're paying them, uh, because that makes it more valuable to you. Uh, that's when you start to grow and generate new ideas. We have to do that. So, Richard, what advice do you have for someone who wants to start their own practice? They want to become an entrepreneur. Maybe it's a solopreneur like like you and I for the most part, or maybe they want to start something that's a business where they're going to hire people and scale and eventually sell it. What general advice do you have? 
Well, I, I think there's two aspects you have to ask. You, you do have to ask whether you have the personality for doing it. Uh, you know, do you have the do you have the risk tolerance? You know, I think when I when we opened up our clinical practice, uh, we went to the bank and borrowed twenty thousand dollars for office furnishings and whatever computers. I was scared out of my bejeebies. Twenty thousand dollars? Are you kidding me? I was going to borrow twenty grand. That was you know that was probably pretty close to my risk tolerance at that point. Uh, and I had to you know seriously ask myself. You know, will I be able to sleep at night? Will I be able to feel comfortable? Will the schedule all work? Having that sense of, uh, you know, who you are as a person is a very important aspect of being able to be an entrepreneur or a solopreneur. And I think the other piece, which gets into the work we do around strategy-driven leadership, is whether you have the skills to engage in the entrepreneurial work. Do you have a sense of curiosity? Can you manage time well by yourself? There's not going to be anybody who is going to be scheduling, you have to do it. Uh, can you build a plan and execute on a plan? Are you a marketer? You know, do you like networking? Uh, you know, I'm not the greatest networker. I have to kind of, you know, I say that, you know, my networking skills are C plus, B minus. Uh, and I went to an event last night and uh, it was our Pittsburgh Tech Council. They had their annual open house. You know, I got in there, I did a good job, uh, but it's, it's tough for me to just walk up to people and start talking to them. So I do okay with it, but I don't do great at it. You know, and if you're if you're if you do D at networking, uh, and you're going to be an entrepreneur that has to be out there selling, eh, that may not be the right thing. Or learn the skills of doing it. Learn from somebody who can teach you and help you execute. So you don't have to be a perfect. You don't have to be an A, but you better be a B to be successful. So it's personality and skills. So one of the things I talk about when I go into companies or when I speak at a conference is I talk about what I call crossing the performance gap. And this is this gap that exists for many people, not for everybody, between their potential and the results that they're getting. And a lot of people feel frustrated. So you've worked with a lot of people. You've seen a lot of people. You have a psychology background. Why do you think some people who have potential are able to go farther across that gap when others with the same amount of potential fall into the abyss? You know, I, you know, you mentioned that last week uh, when you were up here, and I love that concept. And I, you know, I'm an optimist, so I give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't assume that people are damaged or broken or ineffective. You know, most of the people you're going to interact with, most of the people that I interact with are successful people. They're capable people. So I assume people have those, the capacity to learn. The question then is, can they learn the specific skills associated with it? And what I think is that that gap that you refer to as the performance gap is that people lack the specific behaviors associated with the skill they have to learn. So when you talk about time management, for example, what are the behaviors of time management? You have to keep a schedule. You have to, you have to be aware of time. You have to, you know, I talk about in my resilience book about energy management, not time management. It's really not time you're managing, it's your energy. You know, so I might poop out at three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't schedule client meetings after three o'clock. I'm a therapist. I'll pay bills at three o'clock. If I screw those up, the bank will correct it for me. So I don't worry about that too much. So identifying what the particular skills are related to a certain set of behaviors is, I believe, the key to bridging that performance gap. And if somebody isn't able to do it, then I know or I advise my clients, then you know that that person isn't capable of doing that. You either need to put them in another situation 
or take that particular role away from them and give it to somebody else. They have some other strength. Let's find what it is they do well and develop that particular skill. So I stay away from the personality. I stay away from, you know, the rumor gossiping. I stay away from why somebody's doing it. I just want to focus on what the behaviors and skills are. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very good. Hey, Richard, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time, oh yeah, and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Richard Citrin. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Richard, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Well, right by far, right now, the coolest thing I'm doing in my business is the work around strategy-driven leadership. I am getting uh, incredible responses from businesses and entrepreneurs and bringing this, this approach uh, to, their office, to their offices because it's just a way that people haven't thought, haven't thought about uh, building their businesses. In fact, you know, this work is primarily around helping you develop talent. But I'm working with an engineering firm, Tom, and they're using it for actually their strategy implementation. So that is just tremendously rewarding, and I'm having the opportunity to work with their their team. So that is clearly one, and I would add one other one, which is that I'm working with a startup tech company here in town uh, to develop a digital solution to my resilience work. Uh, So this isn't an app. This is something that comes across as a message uh, through a messaging system on your phone. And then you're referred to this, uh, to their, uh, to their website. And you have a 90 second experience with them, with me, our resilience and how to build resilience. Uh, So I think it's interesting because for consultants who tend to work one-to-one, I think we need to start looking at technology and how to use technology to start delivering these kinds of services to people. Hmm. Uh, podcasting certainly is one of them. Uh, your speaker who spoke about YouTube a couple of weeks ago, that really piqued my interest. So I think we need to, we start needing to break these molds of how we're delivering our services and think, think beyond the kind of one-to-one service that we've done that cool. I've done. Cool. Yeah. Hey, Richard, we could talk about you and your book and your practice all day long. But I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So before I let people go, I like to ask people, who do you observe out there in the world of entrepreneurs? I call it the entrepreneurosphere. Who do you observe where you say, wow, she or he, they're doing cool things? Well, you know, the person who I admire the most in this sphere is my coach and mentor, who's Alan Weiss. Oh, I know. I, I, I don't know Alan like we hang out and drink beer, but I know who Alan is. Yeah, and I, I think lots of people know Alan. He's you know written sixty six books. He really is the global expert on on solo consulting, and that's who I just was with this past week. Uh, and you know, Alan's been doing this a long time. And what I admire about his work is that he's always coming up with new ideas and new new approaches to to do this work. And I just find that amazing. And I, I try to emulate that same kind of style around creativity. 
Uh, also, you know, he's very giving. Uh, so when you when you start working with Alan, you find that you know he's his availability, his access uh, is uh, you know one hundred percent engaged. Uh, he's with you whenever you're with him. He's with you one hundred percent of the way. So uh, he is somebody I've really uh, admired and uh, uh, served as an avatar for me in my consulting work. So, in fact, I can't read his he's written a whole bunch of books, but his most successful yeah. book, The Name is Leaving Me, but it's the uh, Million Dollar Consultant. Million Dollar Consultant. I know that yes. uh, it was helpful for me, but I know for a friend of mine, it was the Bible for her starting her business and she never could have done it without the Million Dollar Consultant. So, yeah, uh, yeah so that's that's worth checking out, I would think. So, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd love to be a philanthropist, uh, but I don't think I quite have enough money to do that. Uh, but giving back has always been important to me. And my wife's a dancer. She's been a professional dancer uh, and artist uh, her whole life. And so the arts are very important to us. We're often involved in arts organizations, serving on boards or doing volunteer work. Or, in fact, we have an arts or group ourselves, an improv group called Wing and a Prayer Pittsburgh Players, where we perform uh, oftentimes and work with nonprofit groups. Uh, for the first time about 10 years ago, I went to my local township, and now I serve on the planning commission uh, for the township, which has been interesting. But the passion where I've put most of my work has been around uh, domestic and partner violence. And uh, one of the organizations I helped to co-found is a group called Standing Firm, which is a group that works to address the issue of partner violence and its impact in the workplace. Uh, so, uh, so if you allow me a moment about this, about sure. 25% of all workplace violence episodes are related to domestic violence. And if you think about the situation where uh, a woman has been abused in her home and she leaves, finally is able to leave the abuser, uh, he may not know where she's gone, but he knows where she works. And so you often have situations of stalking in the parking lot or because uh, friends of hers may know who he is, they let him in the in the office and he can wreak some havoc in those situations as well. So Standing Firm works to educate companies and organizations around this. And we've had great success nationally uh, with this organization. I've been chair of their board for a number of years and just really believe this is such an important issue to uh, just stop, just stop domestic violence. Can we just stop that, please? <laughs> tired of it and I want to get that done. So that's been a great passion of mine. Well, Richard, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your life story and your, and your life's work here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If somebody's listening to this and they need to know more about you or they want to find your book, where do they go? Well, they find the book on Amazon. That would be the best place to look for it. And they can find me at Citrin Consulting. That's C-I-T-R-I-N consulting.com. Awesome. And, well, uh, and Tom, this has been great. I really appreciate the opportunity. Love talking to you and thinking myself as a cool entrepreneur. That's right. You got to sit at the cool kids table. Absolutely. That's great. Well, again, I appreciate you being a guest, but more so I appreciate everyone who listens. I say at every show, if it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this? I try to bring somebody uh, with a unique background and a unique uh, story every single week to this show. So if you're new to cool things entrepreneurs do, you can go back. There's a hundred, uh, 533 episodes before this one, and uh, there may be 533 more that follow. So keep tuning in. Find the ones you like. Send me an email, Tom, T-H-O-M at TomSinger.com. Let me know what you thought of an episode that you listened to, what you particularly liked about it. If there's someone you'd like me to interview, 
ping me. Let me know. You can find us on Twitter at Cool Podcast. You can find us uh, on all the social medias at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. But really, if you like the show, two favors. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're an Apple person or wherever you get your podcast love. But more importantly... Go tell your friends. Most people tell me they find the show because somebody they know shared it on social media or told them about it at a party or their boss said, hey, everybody has to listen to this episode. Uh, and that's how they originally found it. So make sure that you're out there telling someone else about cool things entrepreneurs do. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Richard. And you're thinking, no way. But yes, we always find someone cooler than the last guest. But in the meantime, Embrace your own entrepreneurial journey. Make sure your ladder is against the right wall. Go out there. Try some new things. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.